Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, I'm very excited. We are going to be talking about athletics and kids and how we can use athletics as counseling for kids. And to do that, I have brought on Pete Bruce. Hello, Pete. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I'm excited to have you on. So Pete and I were in um, the counseling program together at Northeastern Illinois University, and Pete has already graduated, and I'm I'm on his heels next August. <laughs> I'll be there You're too. Close. Yeah. You're close. I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, so Pete, before we get started talking about... Um, like athletics with kids and and all the ways that we can use sports to help build relationship with kids. Mm-hmm. Let's um hear like your history working with kids and and also in counseling. Sure. So um, I've been in sports for really my whole life. I played three sports in high school. Um, I ended up being able to play baseball in college, and I started. Uh, my coaching career, actually, when I was still playing in college, I went back to my high school when I was um, an assistant JV coach. And really, since then, so that was, you know, uh, 15 years ago that I've been coaching. And then um, long story short, I ended up it ended up being my full time job. So I was uh, I would give personal lessons. I would do camps. Uh, I would coach teams. I would do strength and conditioning programs. Um, And then I was also the summer camp director, which I think you also did, right? Uh, For acting or? Yeah, for theater. Yeah. And so it was during that time where really that's also where my counseling, I guess, career started. It was pretty early on that you know I would work with a kid on his hitting and I would learn okay this has really 
nothing to do with actual hitting. This is right. whether his dad screamed at him in the car or whether he's just nervous or whether he's not confident. That was apparent very early on. And so the way my mind kind of works is I'm constantly trying to get to the root issue of anything. Yeah. Um, and so it was from the, there that that light bulb sort of went off of like, oh, I'm going to have to do some some other stuff here. Mm. So I went from sports um, and then I went to social services where I worked in an inpatient uh, facility for a young man aged 17 to 21 with um, struggling with uh, stuff. And then that's when I was like, okay, I'm basically their coach. I'm doing baseball stuff, but there is no baseball. Um, And then obviously going back to grad school and now starting to work with parents, coaches, administrators, players on like, how do we use sports, like baseball specifically, because that's where most of my the background is and like how do we build the best player but also build the best person how how can we sort of have both of those and really use some more science-based stuff on building resiliency and confidence and uh social skills stuff like that yeah that's it's really interesting to me that uh, your journey is is somewhat similar to mine in that so academics was where a lot of my energy went in those years that you played sports and so I was tutoring and I found the same thing to be true of like Mm. your kid isn't struggling with homework because of a learning disability or anything like that they're struggling with homework because of the culture in your home around homework exactly Um, and so, yeah, that was one of the things that led me to go back to school was that yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, my education degree can't actually help with this. Just exactly. like your 15 years of experience coaching wasn't necessarily the whole picture. Yeah. Of how to help. Yeah. And certainly you have to have those skills too, but um, yeah, that's really great. Thank you for sharing all that. Sure. Um, so yeah, when we're looking at sports, so I know like my relationship with kids in sports is often, (laughs) I take them to the sport thing and I like stand with, maybe I stand with younger sibling and watch, or Mm -hmm. I take younger sibling to the park or I drop everybody off and I get like, a tiny break, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I guess I'm curious about like those early ages at first um, talking about those. Cause, cause what is, what are some of the, the goals when we're talking about building resiliency and Mm -hmm. those life skills in those early, early ages? Sure. So we can just work with baseball, but this applies to any sport, really sport and 
games it's play. And then, so it's really the perfect sort of think of a, a baseball field as a big stand, a box, right? right. Um, and so there's certain structures already in place with baseball and play in general that will sort of um, not only teach them certain things, but force them basically to deal with certain things. So whether it's the three strikes and a year out, um, that early age, that five, six, seven, they struggle with that. Yeah. You say three strikes, you're out. uh, They'll start to sort of negotiate. No, no, no. Let's do one more. And so just using that as an example, being able to start to have them learn boundaries, mm-hmm. especially young boys un- understand that no means no, but also start to separate what I call the player from the person. So you struck out, but you're not a failure, right? Right. So start to separate the self from the behavior. So you had a a bad game, but you aren't bad. So I think it's super important during those early years to be super firm with the boundaries, but within those boundaries, be super soft, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like gentle about the feelings that are coming up um, while still firm in the boundary. Yeah. And it's like the way I talk to coaches and especially parents who are coaches with it is instead of making it this coach versus player or parent versus player, it's the parent and the player versus the game Mm. so striking out sucks it's not fun it's painful but hey man that's the game we've all been there right right and yeah helping them learn to tolerate that pain because there are lots of times that you know I mean striking out has become a metaphorical way that we talk about lots of things right Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. for a reason, because it does suck. Yeah, I I have been there too. I played softball as a kid, and like it sucks. Yeah, and also at that a young age, it's there's the physical aspect of there's a dude standing, you know, uh, sort of close to you, throwing a hard a ball at you, yeah. and. There's all these people staring at you. There's your parents. There's the other team. People are screaming and yelling. So there's also that feeling of sort of being exposed and being vulnerable. You are, you're on a stage, right? Right. There's people staring at you and you're performing. Um, so sort of understanding that it's it's scary for them at that age, I remember 
being super young and I got hit in the hand in the batting cage and I was like crying. It was so scary. And, and then like, I, I look at the batting cage now and the, the ball was like going so slow. It was a soft ball. And I'm like, oh, like that totally freaked me out at age whatever five, but because that was real. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I, this is making me think of like nanny kids I've worked with who, yeah, like when we play board games too, same thing comes up and we, we struggle, like those same kids have struggled with sports as well of like the rules being the rules Mm -hmm. being really hard for them and having a place to work that out, to feel that pain, know that you can survive it, Mm -hmm. know that it makes you better, that now you look at it and it's going slowly and it's a softball, you know, (laughs) Um, while also recognizing that to them it is, it's very real and it's hard work that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a hard balance to strike as a caregiver. Yeah. And, and that's really why I sort of I talk about and teach people to think about the player and the person. So we're all multiple things, right. but like really being able to understand that you have to treat the player a certain way and then the person a certain way. So as a coach, I treat all the people, all the persons the same, right? right. I say, hi, I build a, a relationship, but each player, if if you're not the best player, you're not going to get the most playing time. Right. I still love you, but you're not as good. So like being able to be honest with that, that uh, transfers over uh, to everything else in life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause if, if you're still working on a skill or if you're just not as naturally gifted, like, I don't know, it never like that type of sport never clicked for me. Right. And it took a long time for my dad in particular, cause I I'm an only child. And he was like, you need team sports. Like, mm-hmm. otherwise you won't know how to <laughs> work as a team. And it took him a long time to figure out for me, theater was my team sport. Right. Um, that you are using the same skills in theater. Um, and like, I love what you said about it being a stage and that being part of it too, of like, everyone's watching you and like, you are performing, like the mm-hmm. game is a performance. Um, and that's when you want, you want and hope to be at your best. But as a recovering actress, I <laughs> was not at my best every performance, you know, like that's impossible. So yeah, I, I think that that's a really good way to look at it and almost to bring it to theater, to put it in language I can understand (laughs) is like, you have the performer and then you have the character and you're talking about like the athlete versus 
yeah. the, the person. Um, yeah. I think that's really smart and helpful for me who feels like an outsider in sports to think of it in those terms when I'm helping a kid through those big feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really that player in person or the character and actor. It's like, we need to give the kids really the unconditional love and also teach them like, you also have potential. You also can do a better because it in sports, it, I see the families and parents and kids I see struggle are at either end of that spectrum. There's the hardcore and it all costs right. do whatever it takes. And then on the other end, there's the, Everyone gets a trophy, just have fun. You're perfect just the way you are. And that, and right on either end of the spectrum, it's in anxiety and depression. It's apathy and neuroticism. So it's like, how do we have both of that? Um, Because... I think with the kids I see now, it's, and I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts also. There's just so much apathy. There's so much passivity. It's just like, and there's not that robust, a passionate human. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I, what, what you just said touched for me in my head on um, authoritarian parenting mm, yeah. versus permissive parenting. Perfect. And, and we want that authoritative of like, we're holding these boundaries while also recognizing that this is hard. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Yeah. And I say active versus passive. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that that idea of uh, so are, are you're saying right now you feel the pendulum has really swung towards the passive, towards the like we're just here to have fun. It doesn't matter how we do. Is that what I you're saying? Out of, I think recently, yeah. There's it, uh, uh, both polar or. Uh, both ends are expanding, but I feel like we've sort of, um, we're so scared of the one authoritarian side that we started to swing to um, sort of this apathy, this passivity of like, whatever, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And then the stakes don't matter. And then it, it kind of becomes like, what are we doing? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about that with within like the greater context of pandemic within the, and I, I also recognize that I think that that has been happening for a while, even mm-hmm. before the pandemic. Yeah. But I am curious because I know that I, as a nanny and a caregiver, 
have found myself being gentler because we're all experiencing a global trauma. And so, you know, on board games, like not necessarily like on board games, which is where I really get to see this type of behavior come out Mm -hmm. um, with my nanny kids. We do this thing called house rules where we will play house rules, but if it's the first time we've played a game, we have to play by the actual rules in the rule book. And then after that, we can make up house rules, but you have to have established them all at the beginning of the game. And like, even that is hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. for them because they, they realize that they lost and they're like, but, but that same thing you were talking about, like one more strike, please. Um, Not often, please actually (laughs) one more strike. I, I get one more strike and, like no um so I do I do agree with you that I think that we have gotten a little bit more passive or permissive uh or like looking for any opportunity to award a kid for doing like literally the bare minimum right um and yeah, I I hadn't really thought through like what does that mean for their resiliency? What does that mean for their grit? What does that mean for the struggles that they are going to face in mm-hmm. the future? Yeah. What what have you seen be successful to help move more towards the middle from that direction? Sure. I think and and part of it is age, right? So if I'm working with high school age kids, there is going to be a little bit more of that passivity of whatever, I don't know, whatever, dude, because they're at that age. Um, But I think what makes sports so cool and the really the fastest way in the moment to get out of that is competition. So um, really being able to put competition on anything so even I have when I work with those younger ages we practice striking out and then we have a competition of who can strike out the uh, best Mm. and so I start off of like do we strike out and do we throw our helmet and bat and do we put our head down or do we go ah I struck out and so like being able to teach it instead of just push it down, right? right? Because what a passivity is, is we're pushing it down. Mm-hmm. We're saying, I don't like this feeling. I'm just going to push it down instead of letting it out properly. And look, if you strike out, you should be angry because that means you care that means you're present and that means you're engaged. So I think sort of, we don't, we don't like feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so, and we don't have space for some of those, whether it's anger or frustration, we immediately try and fix it instead of just, Hey, I'm angry and 
frustrated and, and I'm going to be like this um, for five or 10 minutes. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I see that a lot too in kids that I have worked with in theater and, and in other capacities of like kids don't right now, I'm not seeing as many kids <laughs> as I would like understand that any feeling is okay. The behavior may or may not be okay. Exactly. Um, and, and providing a space for them to feel those feelings and then choose correct behaviors because you can be mad that you struck out, but you can't throw the bat at exactly. the teacher. <laughs> you can't go hit your teammates. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, um, or any of that. And, but you can say, I'm going to sit on the bench. I don't want to talk to anyone for five minutes. Like I need, I need to calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. Right. Like, I'm mad. I messed up. I'm mad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really great. And I, I do wish that uh, more coaches knew about that. So I'm glad <laughs> that you're out there yeah. helping. Really. And I'm lucky to have so much experience as a coach and with sports. Like, so I, I thought I was going to be a, a teacher. And mm-hmm. then I was like, if I'm a teacher, then like the kids aren't going to like me. Right. <laughs> it's like, and so it's much easier to, to work with kids in sports and play instead of being a teacher or a, a mom or dad. It's like, they actually want to be here. Mm-hmm. It, it's play. So it's easier for me as a coach to, so here's an uh, example. I had a player and he would always get, he would always freak out, throw stuff, cry, scream and yell. He was, he was at that like 11 or 12 age. So where that stuff, especially with a boy starts to come out and it, it's, really not a good look anymore (laughs) right um and he had coaches and parents always stop stop this stop that you got to do that and so uh, from my perspective I was like I'm not uh, dealing with it so I just I I stopped and he would just he would go for a walk he would stand in the uh, like by the trees and we would keep an eye on him, but he would do that. And then he would come back. And then after that season, the tantrum stopped because he, he, I think a part of that passivity is we start to throw fuel on the fire. Right. What is a technique we can do? What is a, a therapy? Apeutic intervention. Uh, what is a pill? Instead of just give them some space, it's all going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, and that attitude of like, <clears throat> we'll be here playing the game. Like, yeah, when you're ready to join us, we're here. 
yeah. we're ready for you to join us when you're ready. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I use that all the time with kids. I nanny of like, I see that you're mad. <laughs> like <clears throat> you're welcome to feel that way. I'm not going to keep playing with you until you've calmed down. So I'm ready. I'll be here. I'm ready to keep playing with you <laughs> yep. when you've calmed back down. Let's look at the other side of that. The, cause <clears throat> I think that this one gets um, glamorized a little bit more, but the, the parents who are like, win at any cost mm-hmm. or the kids who are that way. But for me, what I have seen a little bit more is that the passion of the kid dies because the parent is putting so much pressure on winning. Um, I don't necessarily see it come from the kid all that often. Exactly. Okay, great. I'm glad to know that (laughs) that my feelings on that are are also on track with what's actually happening out there in the world. Um, Yeah. What can we do with that? Especially as nannies, Mm -hmm. because if we're driving that kid to, yeah. The game or to the practice or whatever. And then the parent, you know, we take them back home and the parent at the end of the day is like, how did they do? Like what, you know, what was their, I don't know what batting average. That's a thing. Yeah. What yeah. was their, what was their batting <laughs> average or whatever? Yeah. So it's super hard from the uh, nanny perspective. Um, the way I'm uh, doing it now, speaking with, parents and coaches and athletic directors is I don't even, I don't, so I say stuff like, do, do you want your kid to be in therapy for his anxiety or for your anxiety? How do they react when you say that? They smile. Okay. And they go, (laughs) okay. And it's like, so, so sort of awkward but that's what it is. And so I think we need to take the attention off the kid, off of the player and be able to have a conversation with that person, right. with that parent. Um, and some, and what I see with that type of parent is either uh, two things they are also super successful. They're a big time, uh, uh, whatever. So, um, and so that's just how they are with everything. Um, and I also see it on the other end where that parent might not be six, uh, six successful at all. And they're putting all their eggs into their kid's basket. Right. Um, Right. And so I think why sports are so great is because you can't like the stats and the performance, it is what it is. Right, so, right. so I'll have a parent say, I want my kid to be a uh, division one player and this and that. So I say, that's awesome. It's great here's the measurables that your kid needs to have. He needs to be six foot one. He needs to be 200 pounds. He 
needs to be able to throw a ball at 93 miles per hour, blah, 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 blah. And then if they stare at that and they stare at their kid and they're like, oh, like <laughs> uh, this might not be possible. And it's like, yeah, but f- feel free to try. But this is what it is. And so being able to give them a clear shot and also to allow parents space of like, hey, whenever you want to come back down to reality, I'll be here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So it's that same thing of just being super honest. Here are the boundaries. Here are the here's the reality. And then they'll figure it out. Like, so when I work with high school kids and their parents, that's what it is. Their parents want their kid to be a D1 athlete. And it's like, well, have any colleges called you? No. Okay. Like, well, (laughs) then he's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's just reality. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, helping, helping the, the parent, I mean, not necessarily like sitting with the parent in the same way we sit with the five-year-old who struck out, but like, but yeah, just stating the fact. And then, um, and I'm curious about when the parent is going through that journey, have you found successful ways to like hold space for the kid during that? Or do you just like let it play out? <laughs> sure. So there's, um, what's interesting is usually the the kid knows. So like they know why they're not playing. Mom and dad, I'm not playing because I'm not as good. Right. They understand it. And so like, I'm sort of like staring at the, kid like i'm sorry dude but you know what's up um but i think why i'm starting to do what i do is we need to be more direct and start to talk to these parents early on of like you're causing a lot of destruction right so sort of the joke i'm make is like i want to so uh, my like pitch is like, 
I, w- I want to b- b- build b- 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 better ball players on and off of the, the field. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I could also call this, I want your kid to be successful and, and not end up in therapy. Right. So like, I think we all need to do a better job of coaches of uh, as teachers to like, just be honest and say, stop, stop this. What you're doing isn't working and it's causing damage. And I think um, just being able to be more honest with that and have some things to back it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's really true. And I, I do agree that I, I don't know that it's necessarily like that there is space for a nanny to help with that journey other than, you know, on the car ride home, (laughs) helping hold space, like maybe bringing it up, like, you know, your parent might feel disappointed about this. Like, how are, how is that? sitting with you like how do you feel Mm -hmm. about that um asking them you know what can I what can I do to help you navigate this um but yeah that's a that's a hard place to be and I'm I'm glad that you're helping coaches because I do think it's a coach's job right to talk through that yeah I think and I've seen some pretty horrible stuff as, as a coach, whether it's, I saw parents drive through, like speed out of a parking lot and spray mace at the umps. I've seen wow. dads like pick up their kids and I'm like, I think the dad's pretty drunk. Yeah. So like, I think as, as coaches, we need to really to to set the boundaries and and say you're off the the team it's done right period to the end and i think too many coaches especially the way youth sports are now where there's a lot of money involved Mm. that like all right if i kick this family out they have three kids in the organization that's like 10 or 12 thousand dollars right there right um and also how how does that help the the kid right but i think we need more of that just those hard boundaries nope see you bye you can come back but your specific behaviors have to stop it's done right Right. Yeah. Um, I love those signs that are up at certain fields that are like, this is a children's game. <laughs> yeah. You, you are not welcome to right. yell. You are not welcome to, you know, that address that in signage at least. And, you know, right. I know that it's still going to happen, but I do feel like when something is written and posted, it's helpful to start that conversation of like, Hey, do you see the sign? Mm -hmm. Why don't you read that to me, parent? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Go ahead and read that back to me. We also still want parents to 
to be active and engaged though. Um, And I think what I see, especially with dads is like going to watch that game on a Saturday is like their only time where they aren't working. Right. Where they aren't at work or stuck in traffic on the way home or doing stuff at the house. So like them going to their kids game is like, it's sort of like them going to a Cubs game. It's like, this is their time to relax also. Um, And so I think there's more things at play than just that specific moment. Yeah. That's a really good point too of like, yeah, if, and imagining it from the kid's perspective of like, this is the only time that my dad pays attention to me. Yeah. And if I mess up yep. during the game, yep. that's his whole view of me is yep. that I'm, I'm messing up. Mm-hmm. Even if, you know, all other aspects of their life is like pretty great. If you mess up that game, it, it just holds a lot more weight. Yeah. And, and it, kids get parentified so easily playing sports, right? If they have a good game or bad game, a mom and dad are upset or they're stressed out that they had to wake up at 4 a.m. on a Saturday and drive through three hours to this baseball game. And then the kid strikes out and then, and so it starts to snowball. And so it's like, what are the parents' expectations here? What do you, like, what are you scared of? What do you not want to happen? So like I talked to parents about, okay, what is your pregame and your postgame routine going to be? Because it should be the same regardless if they win or lose. So do you want to put the, so like, let's use striking out. Um, If you're angry that your kid strikes out, that means that you're putting the opposing team's pitcher in charge of your emotions. Right. Do you want some random nine-year-old to be in charge of your emotions yes or no no okay so stop (laughs) right right yeah you're giving that nine-year-old a lot of power and then you might never see again right (laughs) yeah yeah that's a that's a really good way to put it and very clear um Mm -hmm. and direct yeah I love that um I'm curious if have you watched Ted Lasso no, 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 but people keep asking me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because in Ted Lasso, and I don't know, you know, listeners, if you've seen it or not, I'm not going to ruin anything, but in Ted Lasso, it is the idea of a coach who is counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I watched, especially the first season, I was like, coach Lasso is using positive discipline and yeah. things like, like he runs with the team. Like he doesn't expect them mm-hmm. to just go 
do the practice or whatever. Like he's out there with them. Um, He also like takes suggestions and, um, and you know, at first they're (laughs) like suggesting like jokey things, you know, like you, you should leave things like that. Um, (laughs) And then other things that I'm not going to say on the podcast. Um, But like one person is like the showers, the water pressure, it's like not good. And he fixes it, you know, like there are things that, (laughs) that as coaches and, and through athletics or, or teaching or however, you know, you interact with kids, there are ways of doing it where you are like showing up (laughs) for the player and the person Mm -hmm. at the same time. Right. And I wish that that there was more of that because it, it feels like often we're uh, often it's set up to make you choose to right. either show up for the person or for the player. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it can only be a both. Right. Right. And it's like one thing why I think parents start to listen to me is because I start off saying like your team has to win right if that's the most important part because that's why the kids are there and and the systems you put in place to have a winning team are also going to be the same systems that help him as a person so it's like being a teacher if if all your students are failing are you doing them any good right no so like you start from there and then um what happens is like oh so it as a coach it's like well if you want to have a winning team that means that you have to have good relationships with the players okay like you have to be a good communicator you have to have them learn to communicate to you you have to have good relationships with the parents here's here's maybe something that could help Annie's I learned and I struggled with this, like that parents are often uh, testing you, Mm. whether it's subconsciously or not, they are doing things. And once I started to stand up for myself, say no, stuff like that, they gained a lot more respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me so being able to like have those honest conversations can go a, a long way yeah I'm curious your opinion about a nanny talking with a coach like if a nanny is seeing the parent have some of these behaviors of like their anxiety <laughs> is getting in the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
if a nanny went to a coach and was like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. I'm curious if you can help at all. How would you feel about that? Yeah. I think it would depend on the nanny and the coach. So like as a coach, I always have a rule of, I don't want to hear from anyone unless it's about important stuff. So are there health things? Are there mental health things? Those are the conversations I want to have. Those are the emails I want to look at. Don't speak to me about playing time. So uh, I think yes. And especially if um, you can come at it from a way about the kid because I can if the coach is halfway decent he will also be uh, seeing these same things you you are um right I heard a great quote from Mike Tyson he said uh uh your family secrets come out in your children oh that is a great quote Uh, (laughs) yeah so i I mean the teachers are seeing it coaches are seeing it uh the neighbors are seeing it the the only people that probably aren't seeing it are uh, the parents so yes yeah yeah and i don't i don't i i guess i'm i'm thinking about like if i was in that position what I would do. And I don't think it would be, you know, like <laughs> first game or first, whatever, be like, mm-hmm. coach, this is what I'm seeing at home. Help. But like, you know, if you're the nanny and you're dropping off and picking up from practice and mm-hmm. you're building that rapport with the coach, you know, one day being like, Hey, like I'm, I'm seeing the parents put a lot of pressure on this kid. I'm wondering what, but your advice around that would be, or like, yeah. can you, yeah. can you offer any help? Because the kid is dreading coming <laughs> right. to, to the games or practice or whatever. And I'm, I, I'm not sure how to help right now. Yeah. Yeah. The joke I always make is like, when people ask me that, I like say stuff like, have you thought about piano lessons? Like <laughs> it's, and, but it does get to a point where it's like, if he doesn't want to be, to be there, it's, it, it, it's a waste of time. Same thing. And, uh, and you're probably learning this now. Like if the kid doesn't want to be, be there in their P, there's absolutely nothing you can do right right so it's like i think as uh clinicians we need to do a better job as nannies and as coaches of going directly to that parent instead of like scapegoating through the kid still and saying here's what i'm seeing like this is what it is right and yeah and and checking in on like 
because sometimes maybe they're just not developmentally there yet. You know, like it it might be, let's wait a year, let's wait a season. And my parents always had the rule of like, I had to finish the season. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. because by the end of the season, when I was playing softball, I was out looking at four leaf clovers in the (laughs) field, you know, like, right. I was not, not invested at all. Um, and I was a little bit more invested in soccer, but not much. Yeah. And so, you know, and like, and then I found swimming and then I found synchronized swimming specifically. And I was so invested in synchronized swimming. So mm-hmm. it took a while to find like, cause I needed that <laughs> artsy element um, for my buy-in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so how, what, what is your opinion on like, you have to finish the season? Yeah. So let's back up to the developmentally uh, well, appropriate stuff. That's yeah. it. So like I would work with a five-year-old and his dad or a mom would be like, he needs to get better at X, Y, or Z. And I would say, can he tie his shoes? And they say, no, well, if, if he can't tie his shoes he's certainly not going to be able to uh to catch and throw a a baseball right like or even some stuff like um yeah he he isn't understanding the uh some of the the more uh, um intricacies of the the game well can he do a long division no well then (laughs) he isn't able to right now and that was basically my way of saying he's too young right um and so uh, going off of that to like um should you finish out a season stuff like that i think that comes down to the expectations Mm -hmm. um if you start like if as a a parent you're paying two thousand dollars for a spring season like are you gonna make him finish it out either way right but is he playing for the local park district where you didn't pay anything that's a different story um it's also i would like us to not have to get to that point of like like why is he 14 15 years old and we're still going through through this um and it's also with with sport i mean i've worked with professional athletes who are like i am sick of this season i am exhausted and it's like now they can't say that to the reporters but like that's how they're feeling so it's also a natural thing of like yeah like and this goes back to don't make it a power struggle and make it to people standing together on that of like, yeah, dude, baseball is a long season. It's tough. Hang in there and do the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And back to the, developmental thing really quickly have you ever um have you seen the x-ray 
of a, a, I think like a three-year-old's hand versus a seven-year-old's hand. No. There, it's drastically different. Like the bone structure in your hand from three to seven changes. And I've worked with parents before who are like, she's not holding a pencil correctly or she's not Mm -hmm. holding whatever correctly. And I like showed them that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. here's why. Like, if you want, like if holding a pencil correctly is your goal, the way to get there is Play-Doh and like kitty scissors and like all these other things. It's not giving them a pencil and then they get frustrated because they literally can't do it. And I think that sometimes with sports and younger kids, that is true as well. Like, I Mm -hmm. love what you said about like, can they tie their shoe? Um, Because it's like, literally the bones aren't done yet. And so, and, and it develops, you know, there's the average, but for some kids (laughs) that develops way later um, than some other kids. And so, yeah, there might be a very good reason. And so I would say when kids are young, don't pay the $2,000. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And also sort of going off on that, like, you know, have them be more athletic, have them be more active instead of sitting around on the couch all day, like, go play soccer, go play a tag, go skateboard. Um, One thing we talked about as a program is we want kids to play as many sports as possible. Stop specializing at nine years old unless he's so jacked up on that one specific sport. Like go play other sports, skateboard, surf, um, learn a musical instrument. So you have this foundation of then you turn 11, 12, 13, 14, and then you can see where your skills are and then go towards that. Yeah. Yeah. Dance, like get them in dance (laughs) and like, you know, all those different things. Um, Cause yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of um, people who are very athletic, who were like, I wish that I had like dance skills, like my balance isn't great or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I currently, I, um, one of my nanny kids, like one of his literal favorite activities is running around the bases. Yeah. (laughs) Like we just go to the park and he runs around the bases and like, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we like do the whole, like I'll do commentary for the game. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) kiddo is up for, you know, whatever. And like, um, and we talk through like a whole game, but he's not playing and, or he is playing, but Mm -hmm. he's not like, we don't have a ball. We don't have a bat but we can still enjoy all of that. And he's like, he runs around them like 10 times. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, cool. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, I, I love that idea of like, don't specialize before high school really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that sometimes we fall into the trap of 
wanting our child to be a prodigy. Um, but I think if your child is a prodigy, then it's going to be undeniable. Exactly. Yeah. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And it's been such a, um, a fun discovery that like sports and a lot of the arenas I'm more familiar in are kind of, it's the same principles across the board. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Um, so for listeners, how can they find out more about you and like keep learning from you? Sure. So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of stuff there. Just type in Peter Bruce um, and I'm sure you'll find it. Um, Yeah. And then I, yeah, that's it right now. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Because I do think that, I I don't know, I, I might be speaking out of turn, but I know for me as a nanny, Like I do feel very much an outsider, like when I take Mm -hmm. kids to, to sports and it's been really nice to discover ways that I can support them in the, the pregame and the postgame and the pre dropping off for practice and and afterwards too, Um, that it doesn't have to be this like cutoff of like, now they're out of my care. Now they're (laughs) back in my care, you know, like that I can. I can help support them throughout. So thank you for that. Sure. Appreciate it. Um, Awesome. Okay. Well, we end each episode with a cute fun story and I have actually brought one this week. Um, Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to share two because they're kind of the same idea and they both have to do with games. So the first is one time I was, I was babysitting a kid and I, we, he really wanted to play soccer and so, and I like had worn flip-flops cause I was not expecting that. And so I was like <laughs> shooting goals or whatever and just missing like awful. Like I'm not, I'm not very good in the best conditions and they were not the best conditions. <laughs> and I, I finally made a goal and the way that he cheered for me <laughs> was like so much pity. He was like, Marfa, you did it. <laughs> and, um, it was really funny. And then in a similar vein, a couple weeks ago, I was playing memory with one of my kiddos and he destroyed me at that game so hard that he started being like, Marfa, it's this one. You should turn <laughs> over this one because he felt so bad for me. Um, so, yeah. And I also did want to mention that a book that I have found to help with like sportsmanship in particular, Evie's field day does a really good job of um, for young kids talking about that. Sometimes there are more important things than winning um, or like they have a game at the end, like good sport, bad sport. So they list different behaviors and the kids get to say, was this person being a good sport or bad sport? So that's a good resource. If, if bad sportsmanship is something you're struggling with in your (laughs) (laughs) So, well, thank you so much, Pete. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Sure thing. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. 
Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.